Hello and welcome back to the live series podcast brought to you by Amicus. This is the podcast that gives you insight into the life and role of tech leaders from all over the world. Today I'm joined by Gavin van Lollefeld, a consultant over at Deconstructing Leadership. I am super excited to have Gavin on today. Um, we've chatted a little bit before and sometimes you know when you just get a guest and you're chatting before the actual recording and you just feel like you really click about something in this particular subject today um that's definitely the case so thank you so much for coming on Gavin how are you doing yeah I'm doing well thank you so much for having me and yeah like I had the same experience chatting to you before like you know you asked me a few questions and it was like oh there's a lot to say yeah this is really interesting and I enjoyed the back and forth we had so I've really been looking forward to this conversation yeah, no, me too, 100%. It's 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 quite interesting what we're going to be talking about. I think it's something that kind of gets mentioned in passing, um the kind of the the idea of psychological safety and 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 dealing with that as a leadership. It's not necessarily something that gets deep dived into too much. Um so I'm really I'm really chuffed to kind of get going with that. But before we kind of dive into any of that, um just for anybody who hasn't heard of you or heard of your work uh, or deconstructing leadership, do you want to just kind of maybe walk us through your experience up to now? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll go right back to the very, to before the beginning. I'm a second generation software engineer, which is really relatively rare for someone my age. My dad was writing COBOL back in the 80s. Um, I uh, studied tech, studied coding, um, got my first uh, job as a web dev in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and in a small agency, and I worked my way up that organization to uh, basically be leading the small team of uh, engineers that were there. And um, uh, that's how I discovered that I enjoyed leadership and wanted to be a leader um, because I did a bunch of research and final stuff and started practicing it and was like, oh, this is great. I enjoy this way more than like coding, like talking to people, helping them develop, getting their goals. And, um, and so instead of sticking with that, I was like, I'm going to start my own business. And I went into freelancing with this grand ambitions of starting my own agency. Uh, no, I, I, I basically was solo for seven years because I, I, I didn't have the chops to run a small business, but I always missed leadership and missed kind of wanting to work on that stuff. So I got back into the industry um, did a bit of scrum mastery, became a full-time software engineering manager in 2016, um, and, uh, managing a couple of teams. And then I've through a few jobs since then I've managed kind of bigger teams, teams in different kinds of organizations, uh, managed managers. And I got to a point where I realized I really want to talk more about these topics. I think, um, really my mission is to transform uh, um, transform tech by bringing more people from underrepresented groups into leadership. I think like that's my passion and that's my driving force. And I want to do that by talking about it, writing about it, speaking to people and talking to company, talk to as many companies as I can about it. So I decided to start consulting and start doing my own thing. And um, it's been, I haven't been doing it too long, just over a year. And it's been an interesting journey so far. And I don't feel I've quite clicked yet. But I love um, that I get opportunities like this to talk to people and like share these concepts and ideas. Um, yeah. Amazing. I know you, you mentioned there a little bit about kind of being solo for seven years, but you really wanted to kind of come back into it and become kind of a little bit more of a leader. What what yeah. you said you missed it as well. So what what kind yeah. of what drew you initially to that 
leadership kind of mentality because obviously we're going to cover kind of the things that what it takes to be a, a successful leader and what it takes to be kind yeah. of a a good leader in terms of your, how your team feel but what initially yeah. drew you towards like what made you think I want to be a leader because I'm thinking maybe people listening or something can think well everybody wants to climb the ladder right but what actually is the difference between just wanting to climb the ladder and getting the title and what actually yeah. makes you realize that you are actually drawn towards leadership and that you could be really good at it yeah my experience was just from feeling dissatisfied with my manager and wanting more um and i that i then researched a bunch of stuff online about what good management looked like and i ended up listening to a podcast called the manager tools podcast um these two kind of senior american managers talking about um servant leadership talking about like being effective leaders that deliver and they developed a lot of tools like they described how to do a one-to-one and they had a great one-to-one sheet and when I took over this team I was like let me try this stuff and so I sat down and like very crudely worked through these things with the people on my team and they responded so positively it was like, and even years after people said, wow, that was the first time anyone had asked me about my own goals or spoken to me about my family or just showed interest. And I realized I loved that. I like, I loved the opportunity to get the best out of people, to connect with people. Like, yeah, I love coding and tech, but I've always been an average developer at best. Um, but yeah, it was something I was genuinely good at that used all my skills. And um, so kind of what pushed me into it was realizing I wasn't happy with the quality of management I was receiving, which looking back was part about partly me and partly them. Um, and then just being invested in like growing people and developing people and realizing how, what a difference that can make to a business and to um, not just individuals, but to the actual overall work of the team. Mm, I love that. And especially who's not going to appreciate a leader who's genuinely interested in the individual's mindset and their mentality when they're at work, you know, because yeah. there's such a thing as oversharing at work. Right. And, but, but being a, a successful leader doesn't mean that you have to know the ins and outs of people's personal lives necessarily. Um, but psychological safety is a thing. Let's get into it. Um, what yeah. is it? Um, and what does it look like, especially within a tech team? Yeah. Um, psychological safety basically is when people in the team uh, both as individuals but like in the collective believe that they can they can take risks they can try things they can make mistakes um they can speak up and point out things that they observe they can ask difficult questions and they know that they're not going to be punished for it they know that they're not going to be um insulted or criticized you know in a personal way for doing that um, that they really feel valued as individuals for their own strengths and weaknesses um, and that they can come to work and do the best that they can. And that's not something that's really unique to tech teams. Um, um, or you, psychological safety is good in any kind of organization. I think what's unique to tech is um, tech companies and tech teams tend to talk about this stuff more they tend to like want to build psychological safety in teams to spend the time and energy on doing that and that's relatively unusual I like i talk to people in different industries about the stuff and sometimes i get like i don't understand your job like we never talk about the stuff like we just you know have to get on with the work 
Um, so yeah, I think what makes tech unique is that we, we care about high-performing teams and psychological safety. I love that. It's definitely something that's come up before a few times of, of how the communication between tech tech teams is generally really strong. Um, mm. and, and, and I'm talking very generally, but in terms of, yeah. you know, and I always found that very interesting, you know, as someone who is, is never been involved in a tech team, that there's this kind of whole cliche or this stereotype, if you want, um, that people that work in tech or especially developers, especially like, you know, anyone that kind of works on back end or anything like that, they're always kind of, uh, perceived as these like unsocial kind of um, kind of little goblins that just kind of work at the back in IT, um, but yeah. they're actually super collaborative people and they get the yeah. do- they get the job done right. So and, and I always found that really interesting. So we've established what psychological safety is and 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 what it means uh, within a tech team. How as a manager can you instill psychological safety? Yeah, I can only talk about this from my own perspective because how I approach this is very much guided by my own personal values and the personal values that I think are relevant here are um, curiosity, like being interested in people, being interested in problems, um, being open, like being willing to like share, being willing to be honest and being vulnerable. I think being willing to admit that when you make a mistake or say that you were wrong or say that you didn't understand something or admit that someone's idea was better than yours. Um, and I think these are, I, I think these are good general values, like how you apply them that would just depend on your person. Um, and so when you take those values into a team and encourage everyone to kind of um, operate by those in their own way, it, it, you, you, you demonstrate them by how you talk about your own mistakes, how you, how you talk about other people when they make mistakes, especially when you talk about um, people who aren't in the room um, because people pay attention. You can you can pay lip service to psychological safety. You can say, you know, bring your bring your whole self to work. You can it's alright to make mistakes. And then when someone on another team does something stupid, and we go, oh, that person's such an idiot. I can't believe they made that mistake. It was so obvious. Like. It, it sends the message that you don't respect um, um, people and that you might talk about them like that when they're not in the room. So you really demonstrate that kind of, and, and that's empathy and that's understanding and that's acceptance and demonstrating that stuff. But then on the, on the positive side, you celebrate people, you celebrate their strengths, their successes, their individuality, like what makes them good, what makes them different. You kind of embrace that difference. You're not trying to homogenize everyone or make everyone look the same. Um, and that's stuff that everyone in the team needs to do. That's not special. That's not something special that a manager should do and that the team just follows along. Like a, a psychological safe team is one where every team member kind of is owning that work. And the what a manager can bring is maybe some more experience in doing that and the time and energy to like coach the individuals and the team to help them on their journey of doing that. Um, And then using your power to like show that it's safe for people with less power and less influence to also be vulnerable, to also be open, to also make mistakes and it'd be okay. Yeah. I think as well, something that stood out there when you said, um, it's because it's it made, it reminded me of kind of friendship groups as well and and kind yeah. of friendship circles of if somebody's kind of 
you know, talking about somebody when they're not in the room and to defend themselves. And you you then instantly, like, you can't, you have no choice. You instantly don't really trust that person to not say the same thing about you when you leave that room. And it yeah. totally applies to to the workplace as well. And yeah. and you're right. And, and then I think that's that in itself, even though that's obviously only one of the things you spoke about, that that in itself is super tricky to kind of manage. Um, I, I think it's it's not obviously just a case of kind of, oh you know how are you doing today how are you feeling in yourself sort of thing you know you can you actually you need to be monitoring that person and monitoring their behavior and monitoring the conversations that they're having um mm. with with the other team members and things like that because it's, it's it is really important and i think there's this also kind of bad rep that sometimes whenever psychological safety comes up a lot of people think well you know, I want my team feeling safe, but I don't want them feeling too relaxed. Like, I don't want them just thinking that anything goes and that I'm not going to bother kind of coming down on them if they're not doing anything right then. Yeah. So how does, how can you kind of, because I, I personally, I'm totally with you, Gavin, and I think you'll probably say the same, that I don't think psychological safety means complacency. But for a lot yeah. of managers, that might be the reason that they're not really willing to edge into it as much or that they don't believe that their team will will see it that way and that will actually get complacent so how can you kind of make sure that that doesn't happen that and triggering psychological safety doesn't then have a knock-on effect of complacency in your team yeah yeah that's such a great question and like i can tell you my story and my journey through this um because i i come at it from maybe the more um soft end of things the more like letting things slide and like being too focused on that kind of thing psychological safety is just one of the foundations of a high performing team it's not all of it it needs to be there but it's not the whole picture so my story is like um i like to say i'm a recovering people pleaser um my, the joke i always make is like welcome to people pleasers anonymous i'm gav i hope that's okay with you um and uh it's because i've that's been my life like what what i think what made me good at being a manager was is my intuition my empathy my passion for people but i got good at that because i i spent my whole life feeling like i had to and so i brought that i brought that energy to work and brought that real care for people to work but I, what i also brought with that before i was able to examine it was this feeling that i needed people to like me i needed people to be happy if they were happy if they're okay i'm okay if they're not okay i'm not okay um and so it meant that um i focused too much on making sure that they were okay and happy and, and kind of in a sense giving them what they wanted what they stay, said they wanted and not what they needed and also um not focusing losing sight of the fact that we are a team inside a business working towards a mission we are building something that we want to deliver to other people. So um, I put more energy into like pleasing the people that were close to me and not my stakeholders or not the end users. And then not teaching the team themselves to focus not just on themselves, but to equally focus on the needs of the stakeholders and the needs of users. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and that's very much taken some work. So, you know, we, we talk about complacency. Um, by hyper-focusing on that one aspect, psychological safety of a high-performing team, it kind of robs them of the ability to truly become high-performing. And a high-performing team is willing to take risks in service of their mission. Uh, 
a high performing team is willing to uh, do work that isn't fun, that doesn't feel good, that is maybe not what they want to do. Um, a high performing team who feel safe can disagree, but commit and do it and give it their best shot. A, a, a team that is safe but high performing can say um, yes and to a challenge that comes with them is willing to have an awkward conversation and deal with a problem early on instead of letting it like slide because you don't want to offend someone, you don't want to hurt their feelings. Um, so you avoid complacency by by realizing that um, you're there to deliver, you're there to deliver on your mission. And so you encourage people um, in yourself and individuals in the team to focus on the outcomes, to focus on the needs of users of the actual people, the actual humans you're building for, and not just your own joy, needs, goals, etc. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and especially the kind of a psychologically safe team will feel motivated and therefore will be high performing. And I know you said it's just yeah. one of the elements, but yeah. it's so important, isn't it? And especially, I love that you brought up people pleasing as well, because I did kind of want to tap into that a little bit, because yeah. when you think psychological safety, um, you know, kind of like I kind of said before, it's not a case of just asking your team how they're all doing and then they all say fine and you just get on with the rest of your day. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, you know, you need to be able to still make decisions and still be kind of assertive. Yeah. But does, kind of be ensuring that your team is psychologically safe does that kind of instill maybe a passiveness about a manager or is that something to be avoided do you think like how do you think the kind of balance of being passive and being assertive comes into yeah. play when it comes to psychological safety yeah i think balance is the key there very much um i think we've all had or experienced bosses who didn't care about us we're just hyper focused on the work and were um yeah and were just like um hard um very domineering and direct and for people like me i mean this was my experience um i experienced managers who who weren't caring and so i almost went to the opposite extreme and was like no i'll never be like that i will like care for my my people i will love them and make sure that they're happy and all right you know um but that was uh, it's it took me years to realize one extreme is just as bad as the other extreme. Like by being way too soft and not um, where the the domineering manager is hyper focused on delivering and getting stuff done, um, the soft manager is hyper focused on people's comfort, but is not delivering. Um, and I was doing myself a disservice and the team is a disservice. So exactly what you said, balance is doing the right thing at the right time. There's a time for like slowing down and being gentle and soft and taking a moment. And there's a time for, we don't have time for this. We need to focus on the goal. There's a time for, um, uh, we can't spend ages talking about this problem. We need to make a decision. I'm going to put some boundaries in place and say, we are making a decision by the you know end of this meeting or, um, the your attitude in that meeting is unacceptable um i'm not gonna allow it um from now on i'm gonna call you out on that and we're gonna work to improve that um um or just saying this is the roadmap we agreed we would follow the roadmap i know you think that your ideas are better and they probably are but we made a commitment to you know deliver on this thing and we need to follow through and do that even though you don't enjoy it um and 
yeah so it really is very much about finding a balance not being being one extreme or that and i think i came through um years of like being too much of one extreme as an overreaction and it's taken me time and feedback and reflection and like good people around me to like help pull me back and see the value in finding balance and always striving towards like making a balanced choice in the moment yeah i think especially when you brought up like people pleasing before um mm. it struck me because i i'd probably say that i was a bit of a people pleaser as well um but kind of as i think as you're climbing the ladder you you do kind of need to not grow out of that but because you, you don't want to lose that part of you as a person but yeah. i think it is in a professional environment it's so difficult to not kind of to to lose to intentionally lose that that those values and, and keep it in the workplace and be assertive like you said and there's a time and a place for it and it is just finding that balance isn't it so is yeah. there a i mean i know obviously there is a difference between psychological safety and people pleasing but where's the mentality at for someone who wants their team to feel safe and someone who doesn't want to come across as a people pleaser um i think um if you if, if you are giving in too much to people pleasing and see that as being um as see that you if you believe you have to people please to create psychological safety you're probably going too far in one extreme um psycho psychological safety doesn't just come from making people happy and making people feel good and doing whatever you can to make that happen um psychological safety comes from um um very much involves risk taking involves making mistakes involves moving quickly involves making difficult decisions involves um experiencing discomfort um and surviving it and moving through it and so if you um if you focus if you don't understand your people pleasing and you focus too much on that you lose you rob people of those opportunities to you rob them of opportunities to make mistakes um you rob them of opportunities to to learn from critical feedback um yeah i'm not sure did that catch the gist of your question yeah, no fully because i think especially when you're kind of saying like you, you are robbing people of an opportunity to make mistakes um if they don't feel safe enough to take the risk in the first place and i think that's definitely yeah. if you're going into it with that mindset then you know you're not going to feel like a people pleaser because you actually are just providing them with a platform and you're not going to go too like you said too far into the extreme of it um because yeah. i think it's really wonderful what you said about you've kind of you're a recovering people pleaser and you kind of it took you a while to realize that you'd gone a little bit too far into the into the other way because of what your past experiences had said right you need yeah. to be not like that person be a better person and be the opposite but then going too yeah. far can actually you know you need pulling back a little bit to help your team out um yeah. and i absolutely love that so you mentioned stakeholders there as well mm. um what's the kind of best way to manage stakeholder expectations um and you know what's the kind of most effective and healthiest way to to communicate those expectations to your team i think um uh similar bring similar values um honesty openness vulnerability um you know if you're moving away from people pleasing and focusing on general psychological safety you want to expand that beyond your team you want your team to treat other teams treat their stakeholders with the same kind of psychological safety being willing to um engage with their needs listen to what they want 
um, hear difficult messages, convey difficult messages. Um, so in terms of like managing your team and, and managing stakeholder expectations, you want to be honest back. You want to say no. Um, if you can't, you want to be open about your work, about your challenges, about why you're making the decisions you make. And you want to teach people in your team to do the same thing. But in the same way, also, you sometimes you need to tell your team, yes, I know the plan was X last week. This week it's Y. We need to pivot and do something. And yes, change is uncomfortable. And doing what we don't want to do is uncomfortable. And sometimes you just go, yeah, I know this really sucks. Let's have a bit of a whinge. Okay, um, the time for whinging is over. We're going to get on with it now. Um, so, yeah, I think just focusing on the 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 core values of psychological safety as at least I feel them being curious, being um, honest, being open, being vulnerable and extending that trust, not just keeping trust inside your team, but extending that trust to people outside. Uh, outside. Yeah. I love those values, especially um, I'm going to definitely try and write that down somewhere and try and keep, keep them in mind because they are, they are, it's not because it's not simple at all. And you need these values to kind of keep your kind of structure with, with what you're trying to implement when it comes to psychological safety um with that in mind um what what kind of mistakes um or however you want to phrase it what mistakes can Ooh. be made what what obstacles might you encounter um as a leader when you're trying to kind of instill this psychological safety it, you know it could be any scenario it could be a brand new team that you've just hired it could be a, a, an experienced team that you've joined or it could just be that you're looking for a change in the waves with a team that you've been with for a while um yeah. so and so and, and what are the solutions as well yeah um uh i can probably talk a lot about uh, with a lot of clarity about problems uh, talking about solutions is maybe a bit more complicated um, because yeah, uh, people are complicated and teams and companies are complicated. Um, a few of the, the common scenarios that I see here is um, you might get a team that really embraces psychological safety and like builds this um, culture of openness and honesty and, and connection but they then stray too far and become proud and start to see themselves as better than other teams and start to kind of put walls up between them and other teams. So I said at the beginning, like how you talk about people aren't in the room, a team that is safe and high performing and enjoys their work might go too far and go, oh, we're better than another team. Oh, that team is stupid. They, you know, they aren't providing us the stuff we need fast enough or they're annoying. They don't show the same kindness and vulnerability and acceptance and openness that they show to themselves. And that's just very much about like managing a culture um, that treats other teams, stakeholders, users with the same respect you want to treat yourselves with and not see yourselves as better. Really, that's just veering to an extreme and trying to pull back. Um, and that just... Uh, you solve that by just like talking about it, working it, reflecting on people's words and actions and behaviors. Um, another challenge I see is teams getting too inward focused and getting too excited about like, um, you know, they, they're willing to take risks. They want to talk about difficult problems. They're willing to like um, address things and take things on, but they get too focused on their idea of what, the problems are and their idea of what the solutions are and they lose track of the users they lose track of um 
the actual stakeholder needs of other teams and they get too focused on the stuff that they think is great. Um, and so they become a bit of an island, a bit of a silo. And the solution to that is to always have feedback loops to um, teach uh, high-performing teams that you're focusing on the end goal, you're focusing on the users, you're focusing on your stakeholders, not just yourselves, um, that you are part of a greater thing and ecosystem. You're not just a unit. You are a unit, but you're part of a bigger um, thing and to see yourself as part of that bigger thing. Um, another one that I see as a challenge is um, building psychological safety inside an organization that isn't safe. Um, where you might try to talk about psychological safety and, you know, at worst you get shouted down or told that it's a waste of time, or at best, you know, you get told, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, but we don't have time. We have to, you know, we have to get the stuff done by the end of the quarter. So like, get on with it. Um, or an organization that allows toxic um, leadership to stick around or can't focus on that. So you end up having trying as a manager to protect your team and build psychological safety inside of a space that isn't safe. That's really common. That's really hard. Um, and I, I think I would say to, to people to accept that there's only so much you can do. You, you have to remind yourself of what you do have influence over and what you don't have influence over. So if you're in an organization that is struggling, that is hard, that is difficult, that doesn't embrace psychological safety on the whole, you can still work to create psychological safety in the space you have influence over, but to accept that a lot of your work might be protecting that, might be encouraging them to still show kindness to others, even when they're not receiving kindness in return. And that, that the, maybe that's just the best you can do in a different situation, and that's okay. You're not going to be able to fix the whole organization unless you take you run it. Yeah, I think that, that kind of, that hits hard, doesn't it, really, that one of, of you know you you can't necessarily just walk away from a job um if you're not if there's no psychological safety but if you have a yeah. team and especially saying there that a lot of your energy is going to go into not even setting it up not even implementing it not even the actual doing of checking in on your team but yeah. just protecting what you've kind of built already is going to because you yeah. can face, you know you might face some backlash or you might get questioned about it or and just making sure that your team are feeling mentally safe because they're going to experience yeah. other people in the company who aren't in that team and aren't in that lovely bubble of, of yeah. kind of, you know, psychological safety essentially. And, and, yeah. um, and that is a shame and it, but it, it, it sounds like, you know, you've, you've obviously experienced that yourself and it does sound yeah. really tricky and um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's such an interesting thing to get into. And, and um, especially when I think obviously a lot of our listeners are kind of people who are looking to work their way up and, I think maybe this is the kind of episode where people who aren't even leaders or aren't leaders yet could listen and kind of think of ways yeah. that they think, because they, you don't have to be a leader to implement these things. Do you, you can, you can yeah. kind of have a chat with your manager or you can have a chat with your colleagues and you can kind of just think, well, you know, if you think maybe this isn't quite working out or I don't really feel like I could take a risk and not kind of have my wrist slapped for it or that I don't feel like I can really I don't feel creative, you know. I think that's another quite important aspect of, of feeling safe. You, you, you know, especially in the creative industry, for an example, like you, you, you can't feel like you know. A lot of them even say you, can't, you, you don't have to come in at a certain time in the morning. You just come in when you feel like it because you need that freedom mm -hmm. to feel safe enough to be creative. You can't force it, and I think that that's the same. 
um, in terms of tech because it, there's so much focus time and so much collaboration and a lot of tech teams are so efficient and so targeted towards being a high-performing team that psychological safety becomes even more important and if it's not there like you said earlier it is going to affect motivation so much mm-hmm. um, and if toxic leadership is still there as well like you said it's it's not going to it's just not going to stick around it's not going to be able to to stick um if you if your team can't hack it so um what an amazing conversation like i'm actually a little bit gutted that we've we've kind of just nearing the end of it um yeah. well I, I could honestly talk about this for hours i'm i'm, I'm genuinely yeah. really interested in this because it applies across every industry it's not just tech but obviously the focus yeah. is on tech today which i think is um is even more interesting because like we say it's it's a it's a weird old industry tech isn't it and there's a lot of yeah. um differences between that and there's a lot of uniqueness to tech um that we've chatted about but I will kind of finish on on one question that I do ask a lot of my guests and it's um what what kind of advice would you have for someone I usually say like looking to be in your position one day so that as well but then kind of a second part to that question mm. what kind of advice would you have to to someone who's looking to implement psychological safety be it you know a, a junior dev up to a CTO for example yeah um I'll start with the second question like what can you do um one one of this one of my sayings um it's not my saying I stole it from somewhere um is the standard you walk past is the standard you accept if you expect psychological safety to be someone else's responsibility then you're not demonstrating that so even as a junior engineer you can show compassion you can accept mistakes with kindness you can let people take risks you can let people be wrong um um, but you may not have a lot of power. So if you're just some junior individual contributor in a team, you can you can bring up these topics. You can tell people that, hey, I think you know we we could do as a team work to with working on psychological safety, and and you probably find that other people want the same thing and are willing to talk to put the work in and talk about it if you bring it up, if you try and kind with kindness and gentleness drive it um you can make a difference inside of your team as you move up the ranks if you're the cto or the owner of a company you have a lot of power you have a lot of authority um you get to set the standard the people that you manage um you get to guide them in building psychological safety teams and much the same way like um that um, I spoke earlier about like people watching how you talk when you're in leadership, like a lot of eyes on you and you start to forget perhaps like what room you're in or how your email sounded or the tone of that Slack message. And, you know, people will, will get a sense rightly or wrongly of how safe it is to make mistakes and take risks based on the way you talk so in a way the further you go up in leadership the more responsibility you have to be aware of your impact but you also have a lot of power to have a positive impact and i think it's important to use that power to spend that energy on building psychological safety and setting a high and maintaining a high standard of people with people um i think it's everyone's responsibility um in terms of getting to be in a similar position to me um know what your values are be passionate um stick to them even when it hurts um be willing to realize that you've been wrong for years and apologize and like um 
look back and go, yeah, okay, I could definitely have done better in that situation. I can see why that worked out the way it did. And and give yourself the kindness and acceptance that you want to give to other people. Go, okay, from now on, I'm going to do differently, even though I didn't, I, I've been doing it poorly before now. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that and I think that's just a good general way of treating yourself and treating other people like that won't necessarily get you to be into management or get you to be a consultant but I think it will very much help you with building psychological safety in yourself and really modeling that to the people that are around you that you come to contact with yeah unbelievable words there I think especially about that kind of last point of giving yourself psychological safety as an individual is probably the most important kind of mindset that you could have because you've got the confidence, you've got the reassurance of yourself without being too cocky. You can make decisions and be able to stand by them, you know, if you're not confident in yourself. And, and I think that word confidence kind of comes into psychological safety a lot, doesn't it? But I feel like that's Mm -hmm. a whole nother episode, um, which I'd love to to do. Don't get me wrong. Um, But yeah, so honestly, Gavin, thank you so much. Um, I've I've actually really loved this episode, and and like I say, I think I really wish I'd kind of prepared double the amount of questions so we could have just gone on and on about it because there's so much to cover when it comes to this kind of thing about mentality from a leader down to their team and 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 making sure you know this we've just touched on one psychological safety point today but I think there's there's so much that more that can be talked about and hopefully we can kind of start a conversation about this and hopefully people can really get to grips with it and you know in 10 20 decades years time it becomes completely normal to to have this kind of mentality within teams and and you know there's no kind of toxicity or anything like that but Mm. that is the dream isn't it no toxicity anywhere ever in any um dream it is the dream and that's and we're living the dream over here on the live series podcast so if you're watching on youtube what a terrible segue if you're watching youtube um, or listening on spotify you can hit subscribe um don't miss a single episode from us there's honestly so many more fascinating subjects like this um hanging around over there so you can follow us uh, on social media as well our handle is at amicus jobs um head over to our website amicusjobs.com for tech news roundtables webinars and all the other episodes uh, any software engineers listening as well we've got loads of really cool new roles up there um gavin honestly thank you so much i've absolutely loved this one thank you